0: This is an ASCII Live media production for the Manly Warringah Sea Eagles official podcast channel. This is the Golden Eagles podcast hosted by Manly media manager Wayne Cousins along with Sea Eagles premiership winner and chairman of the Golden Eagles Association Mark Bryant. Each week, Cuzzo and Boxy will be joined by a different Sea Eagles legend to relive some great moments from our proud history and to find out what each of the guys are up to now. It's the first try! Manly have scored! The Golden Eagles podcast is proudly presented by Wormald, a classic sponsor of the mighty Manly Warringah Sea Eagles. Now over to cuzzo and Boxy with this week's special guest.
1: And joining us today on the Golden Eagles podcast, we're very fortunate to have one of Manly's true favourite sons, in former Premiership winning hooker, Max Krillich. G'day Max,
2: welcome you on your cousin, and uh, Boxy, yeah, great to be here.
1: Okay, mate. Now, we're going to go through your wonderful Greece. Sea Eagle number 198, Boxy. is Max Krulich, a two-time Premiership winner in 1976, and, of course, in 1978 was our captain of our Premiership winning team. 215 first-grade games for Manly, 334 grade games in all for Manly from 1969 to 1983, eight games for New South Wales, 13 tests for Australia, and, of course, the big one, the undefeated Kangaroos Tour in 1982, which he was captain. Max Akrilic, great to have you here. Mate, we'll go through your career, but when we say things like that, obviously it just warms your heart.
2: Yeah, I had a fabulous career, but the highlight was obviously playing for Australia. The back of my neck still stands up when they played the national anthem when you represent your country. You know, Manly's been everything to me, but captaining the Australia was my number one thing. So you know, I owe everything to Manly that got me into a place to captain Australia.
1: Okay, now, growing up, you played rugby union at school before joining the Harbour United Rugby League Club, and you are graded by the Seagulls in 1969. Tell us about that.
2: Yeah, I used to play with Manly Boys High School in rugby union. I was the captain of the side there, the young 13, 14, 15-year-olds and whatever. And then all these guys who I used to knock around with played Rara, they belonged to another 15 Harbour United side. Now, interestingly, that side hadn't been beaten for six years. And the year I went to them, when they headhunted me, I suppose, said, come play with us. We didn't even have a try score against us this year. On going back on that, there was about three or four guys actually played for the Sydney sides, down the fifteenth 15 Sydney, a couple were New South Wales players. The funny thing about all that, they were all board riders as well, and what happened, we got to about 17 or 18, and I was the only one that kept playing surfboard riding and girls so <laughs> i was still hunting the girls but <laughs> i wasn't too much
3: into the board riding. you left the surfboard at home
1: yeah how'd you go as a surfboard rider i was
2: a book rider yeah bose and i and ego used to take our boards to Hawaii at the end of the season yeah
1: very good very good now mate obviously rugby league back in those days you had to work as well you did an apprenticeship and you became a qualified plumber and i know in fact that you did have your own business max Crillage plumbing that's right Hey, great name max yeah, Plumbing. Yeah, of course <laughs> what else is
2: going to be I don't think I was very good at it actually. <laughs> so yeah. I hated it at the end. You had to make the times do, that's you had to work. Mm. Yeah. You know, I remember in the old days and some of the people would say, Why are you we seen you play football yesterday and you got carried off or you broke your shoulder and I'll be at work the next day? I said, Because you have to. Mm. Yeah. You had to make a living.
3: That's the thing. Back in the day, before, you know, was fully professional, you know, that's the thing. You had to get up and you had to work the next day. Garbage runs, leagues club, you know, plumbing for Maxi, so many of them. You know, and these guys really did pave the way for the guys, you know, like myself who came through and got, you know, full-time contracts, but, you know, the guys today as well, you know, that all comes on the shoulders of the guys that played before us, which is why I think it's our job as the younger generation of the newly sort of newly retired, I've been retired six years, but to look after these guys mm. and make sure that they get the just desserts for the effort that they put in to pave way for us all
1: well what was the match fees back in
3: those
2: days Maxie? Um, how much for a win 200 i must say there was a fellow called pogo morgan who played for manly i grew up with pogo down at Collaroy beach when i was say eight years of age going onwards and when i went to grade he was there he had a bloke called barrister called bob barricott so he said i'll get bob barricott to come down and talk to arco about a contract for you so I never met this Bob Barakat before, and he's still alive, and he's a terrific guy, by the way, very clever man. So I've come out with a contract. And I thought, God, how did I get that? <laughs> anyway, Arco had to come to me three years later, and he said, and I'm still playing reserve grade. He said, Max, I've got to do something about your contract. And I thought, oh, he's probably going to punt me or something. He said, we've got to lower it because you're nearly getting as much as Bob Fulton. <laughs> <laughs> How good's that? Yeah. Oh. So every year, whatever I earned went on top of my following year's contract. So my money just kept going up at that stage and you got a signing on fee. So you also only got $200 a win and 200 a draw and 50 a loss. I think that's the mm-hmm. way it went. But I had a good signing on fee. And it was all due to this bloke called Bob Barricate.
1: Good on you, Bob. Thank oh, you mate. for that. Yeah, he gets a Christmas card every year still from me. He's a good man, Bob. <laughs> <laughs> now, mate, obviously you had to bide your time in reserve grade under club captain and a great hooker himself in Freddie Jones. What did you learn from Freddie as a footballer, as a captain, as a leader, and as a person in general?
2: I could write a whole book on Fred Jones. It'd be interesting. It'd be a bestseller too, by the way. At my 21st birthday, it was my birthday, and we held it down at South Curl Curl Surf Club. It was probably 200 people there, I suppose. It was a packed... He got up on the stage, Alfredo, the way he was, and he said, okay, he brought out his football boots and he said, held them up to everybody on the mic and, you know, we are all having a great time. He said, see these? You're going to be still watching them for quite a while longer. <laughs> and he said, you never give a mug an even break. So I'll go back to one day we were playing against Newtown and a guy called Neil Pringle, a really, really good player, tough bugger. he was living at my place at that time. And I said, Bing, can you do something about Fredo? He said, don't worry, I'll get rid of him. Anyway, so he, you know, headhunted him, got his head really good, splitting that open like a watermelon. Fred walks off, gets about six or eight stitches in the top of his head, goes straight back on. I thought, you're beauty, here I go, I'm on. Nah, Fred went straight back on there, yeah. You know? And as he said, he wouldn't give me a chance. And i got to say, he was the one who taught me about getting up when you've been knocked down, about toughness. It's probably in me through my ethnic background anyway, the toughness side. But, you know, I used to cop a bit of a hiding, and luckily I had a lot of tough blokes around me that helped me out a lot. But getting up was probably my factor that I could do. I, I copped a few beltons over the years, and, you know, you had to get up. Because if you didn't get up, you know, the coach couldn't depend on you anymore. And i got to tell you, Ron Willie at the stage when I was reserve grade, he made a point when we won the comp in my first year, your job is just to get over your opposite hooker. So we played South Sydney in a major semi-final and in the first scrum, I got over the top of George Piggins and I'm laying on top of him and I actually broke my hand on his head, (laughs) hitting him. He bit me so hard, (laughs) he was biting my chest, right? And the next day I showed everybody this bite. It's a funny story, this. So a few years ago, George Piggins and I used to have this running for about 10 years and the last game. A big brawl started with Terry Randall and Charlie Frith and all the guys were all into it. He tapped me on the shoulder. He said, let's have a rest. I said, yeah, it's a victory. I'm having a rest. (laughs) Anyway, the funny thing about all that was when I had to go and speak at his big um, night a couple of years ago, and I got up and spoke about the day he bit me because my wife actually had to ring him about business. The first thing he said, you're not married to that Max Krillich, are you? He said, yeah, he's my husband. He said, did he ever tell you about the day I bit him? (laughs) (laughs) So... He remember what he did to me. Don't worry about that, George. He took no prisoners, George.
3: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And that just it shows, you know, the game back in mm. the day as well, you know, like get over the top of your opposite number. That I don't know how often that gets said these days, but it was a much tougher game back then, you know? Like you oh, see it was violent. I don't know if it was tough. It was violent. It was definitely, definitely violent. But you had to get up and Max talks then about, you know, he just kept getting up and that's what he learned off Fredo. Well, mate, Fredo, you couldn't stop, you know, nothing, nothing to stop Fredo, and must have been amazing for Maxie to come through and show that sort of toughness because that it just meant that as a great generation of our manly and some of our, you know, probably our glory days to uh, great captains and great hookers.
2: And another thing about that, Boxy, you think from 1962 to 1983, there's only been two hookers.
3: Yeah, it's amazing. That's amazing. And we're
2: possibly the same character and same toughness or whatever yep. you want to say. Style, yep. The same style. Mm. And we had to be ball winners in those days. That's what Fred taught me about winning the balls. Right. You had to win the ball. That was your main job about winning the football. Luckily I had other attributes that went along with winning the ball. So
1: mm. Yeah. Well there you go. Two popular hookers on the northern beaches in twenty years. Look at Freddie Jones and uh Max Acrylis. Now uh Maxie, in 1972, you obviously captained the uh, Seagulls to a reserve grade premiership. Then the following year, you make the city seconds team while you're still playing reserve grade. 1974, first grade debut. Tell us about that special moment.
2: Obviously, it was big for me because people had said to me, you've got to leave now because I've got a scrapbook there at home and I was reading it the other day just saying, look at this rubbish they're writing about you. They keep on saying, look at this reserve grade hooker. He's the best hooker in the competition, but he's playing reserve grade and and that's what actually happened. I actually made um, the city sides out of reserve grade. My captain was the great Billy Smith. My coach was Graham Langland. So, who I then over the years I got to know those guys really, really well. So, yeah, it was a big feather in my cap to be able to get to that side. You know? And I scored two tries that game. In that, in that game.
3: Two tries. <laughs> because
2: Billy Smith told me what to do. What does that sound like? No, <laughs> no, yeah, he said to me, he said, you just listen to me although I was probably 22 or 23, then he said, you just listen to me when they run and win the run and do this. He's a very clever bloke, Billy Smith.
1: Now, mate, 1978, obviously a big year for you. You play uh, representative football for Australia, but uh, obviously the 78 as captain of the Seagulls. Going through that finals period, that, that special moment, we've touched on before with you and other guests as well, including Johnny Gibbs. Six games, 25 days, one game every four days. It's unbelievable. When you look back on that, Max, just reading about the stories, obviously the grand final replay, the refereeing controversies. What was it about that 78 final series?
2: Um, actually, our final was made, played about six weeks earlier. We got beaten 22 or 21 nil by South Sydney. Anyway, uh, we went to Brookvale Oval to start the training on the Tuesday night, and Frank Stanton was standing in the corner. He's probably half pissed too. He used to get on the grog a <laughs> fair bit. Anyway, he's standing there and he said, Everyone get here. And they put the witches' hats on the corner post. He said, You've got 21 to do. <laughs>
3: oh, wow.
2: You had 60 seconds break, you had the stopwatch, and you had to run them. Yeah, they were probably about, it stopped 400 metres, probably 350, mm-hmm. whatever it is, metres. You had to do it under a certain time, or you just keep doing And the thing that taught us, don't ever lose a game. And we actually, we lost one more game, but it showed you the steal. We had to hang in there, hang in there, hang in there. And Frank showed us that, about hanging in there, you know, like in... He didn't suffer. Anyone not doing his job, Frank, he was tough. You know. Well, it well,
1: leads me into my next part because uh, you talk about Frank, and after you beat West to qualify for the Grand Final in 1978, he calls in a army major combat man to motivate you guys. Do you recall
2: that? That's correct. Yeah. and Major uh, General, he was the army. Major General,
1: yeah, yeah. He called you in, and I've got the uh, the words here. He, he said he told us, this quote from the great book, of course, The Sea Guys Landed. Uh, make sure you read that if you haven't read it before, but uh, about Manley's history, but Frank Stanton says he told us stories about the war. He said you blokes are only playing with footballs. If we're shot, we're dead.
2: That's right. And yeah. that's what he kept on saying. He said, you guys aren't going to get killed here. Just put your body on the line. Just and he had his staff sergeant, yeah, the, uh, I think the sergeant with, with the stripes go both ways. And he was his uh, guy up there, and he was the one telling us all about that, he and the general. And he said, we lost more soldiers in that battle, taking that hill. That was their largest of deaths nice. in Vietnam. Mm. And he said, you blokes aren't going to die. And then he came back at the grand final uh, replay and spoke to us again. And I'll tell you what, it's a major fact. I'm not one who can get sort of hyped up about people talk to me. I, you've got to do my job, but he really did. He got to you.
3: I remember uh, Les Boyd gave me a bit of advice and it was, I was playing 17, 17 years old, playing first grade in the country in Cootamundra and I still remember it, sitting at the bar at the Olympic Hotel Cootamundra and Boyd, he said to me, he said, listen, he said, one bit of advice that I can give you is that there's not too many blokes who can actually really hurt you. He said, mm-hmm. so when you go down there and you leave Cootamundra, he said, just remember that there's not too many blokes that can, that can
1: actually hurt you. That stuck with me you know, forever, but um, you know, having someone talk about war and stuff, that would have been amazing. Yeah, well, Boxy, I've just heard the halftime siren here. So we're going to take a short break here from our wonderful sponsors and then we'll be back with the great Max Krillich.
0: The Golden Eagles podcast is proudly presented by Wormald, a classic sponsor of the Manly Warringah Sea Eagles. Wormald is a leading provider of fire protection solutions, helping to protect Australian people and property for over 130 years. Wormald's expertise spans the design, manufacture, installation and service of fire safety products and equipment backed up with a comprehensive range of fire services, from engineering advice to fire safety training. You can rely on Wormald to help protect you. Visit wormold.com.au.
1: And welcome back to our second part of our uh, episode with the great Max Crillies. Max, uh, the 1978 Grand Final. The bookies rated mainly six to four on favourite to beat Cronulla, and the last thing you both teams would have wanted was the year before, Boxy, the 1977 Grand Final, St George and Parramatta. They play a draw, so what do they decide to do? Or we'll take extra time out? It's gone, thinking it won't never happen again. And then the following year, Max, what happens?
2: What happened again? We have to play three <laughs> days later.
1: Mate, the 11-all draw. Uh, Tom Mooney scores a try. Uh, Gray Media the one-back, kicks four goals. Uh, Edmonds scores for Cronulla. And the great Steve Rogers, uh, a great mate of yours, kicks four goals. In that grand final, Stevie Martin had a chance to win the game, missed a field goal in the dying minutes.
2: And I've got to say, yes, he did, And field goals. Steve Rogers had a, a shot at goal with five minutes to go from 30 metres out and in the middle of the about say fifteen meters out from the cross, uh, from the, in the middle of the field, and you wouldn't believe it—he would kick that with his eyes closed. But under pressure, he missed it. Mm, sludge, uh, the Sludge is great friend of mine too, by the way. And Good bloke. It I was embarrassing for me when we went to England on the Kangaroo tour. He was sitting down with me, we were having breakfast. Myself, uh, Sludge, and Greg Pierce. who was the uh, Cronulla captain, and Greg Hartley came and sat next to us for breakfast because uh, whoever used to referee the grand final would go on the Kangaroo tour and referee the um, some the games, not our games. Anyway, they got up and said, we're not going to eat with this piece of shit. Really? I've never been so embarrassed in normal life. Yet, Sludge seemed to forget that in the actual first grand final, he missed an easy goal that (laughs) I would have kicked, by the way. (laughs) Which I used to kick, but I used to kick it with my eyes closed, and he missed it. So, you know, it's just the way it goes.
1: Well, history now shows that three days later, you had to back up. And I remember in the great quote from Terry Randall's that said, once the 11-0 draw full-time siren went, Greg Hartley blew the whistle, and he said, what are we supposed to do now? And he said, you come back three days later, and he said, well, what do you think? We are machines. Now, speaking of the Terry Randall, six painkilling injections, Max, you witnessed it, four in the shoulder and two in the groin just to get back on the field. He was one of five players, boxy, or six players, I should say, who made it to the grand final replay simply due to needles. Yeah. Needles. Toughness. Yeah, Unbelievable. Needles. What was it, Maxie? You actually went into the grand final. You were in
2: bed with a virus. Yeah. I had oxygen before the game and after the game, plus my shoulder, which I dislocated. One of the things that irks me about rugby league in the present day is when you see the the ball on the ground, and players, they look at it and they fall on it. Frank Stanton says, if I ever see a guy not diving a loose ball, I'll bring him off the field. Well, one day we are playing a trial and I dived on the loose ball, a trial by the way, and this guy, big lump, jumped on my shoulder and pushed my shoulder out backwards. That's how far I could raise my left arm. There you go. Yeah. It's, it's, it's just, I had that many injections in that shoulder that year. So then I played state games and I played in the Australian sides and I couldn't even lift my arm above my head then. But you just had to keep playing.
3: It's, it's it's a brave thing, especially because there's boots and stuff everywhere. And Des used to talk about it in my day that, you know, if there's a ball on the ground, get on it. Because that's a show of commitment. It's a show mm. of urgency. It's a show that you want the game. So when the ball's there, we want it, you know. Yeah. So you'd see guys diving in. And he was the same. If you if you didn't jump on it, he'd stop at the video and he'd go, what the are you mm. doing there, you know? So, yeah. Well, yeah.
1: after the uh, the winning of the 78 Grand final, which obviously you don't get many days to celebrate because you go straight on the old kangaroo tour. That's right. Now... Uh, the first two test matches you play against Great Britain, then That's you right. get replaced by George, George Proponis. Right. Correct. Tell us about those days. The, the battle with George, obviously Dr. George, as he was fondly known as, uh, he had a wonderful career as well. And then when he retired, you became Australia's hooker That's and it. captain.
2: Well, I, um, in a certain way, it wasn't when he retired because we play at Brookvale Oval, and he kept on putting his feet in. The, he was, in fact, they played a test that year, probably the first test. And he kept on putting his feet down into the length of the scrum to try and rake the ball back. Uh, One of my front rowers was this fearless bloke. I think his name was Terry Randall. He said, if you do that again, Doctor or George, you're going to cop it. So the next scrum we won, his legs would go down. Well, Terry slipped with his foot and actually slipped on his head. (laughs) Accidentally kicked him (laughs) in the head. It's it's bad slipping these days. And opened him up like a... (laughs) Candice sardines. <laughs> <laughs> George still doesn't talk to Terry. George and I get on famously well. And during that same game, um, we're having a bit of a tussle. And um, Hartley says to me, I know you two. He called us out for fighting on Wednesday. So he, he said, I know you two are fighting for the test position. Cut it out. Anyway, after the scrum breaks up and we get the penalty, I run straight at George and he tries to take my head off. So George gets sent off and I got the test position. There you go. All oh, right. And I purposely ran straight at him. I said, come on, get me. He got me. <laughs> yeah. Down I went, but he got sent off. Well, I got up, and I got the test spot. You got the test spot. And, and then the obviously
1: uh from that it becomes a 1982 Kangaroos Tour. And now uh, you think of uh great sporting teams and it's great sporting moments. Uh in rugby league, obviously the Invincibles, as was known, Maxi, you're the captain. The first team to go through Great Britain Boxy and France, undefeated max you look back at rugby league these days and i remember growing up 1982 i was in year seven so i remember watching all those matches australia versus Wigan, australia versus leeds australia versus Hull, all those matches and then the test matches what was it that made the camaraderie in that team so special
2: camaraderie is the greatest thing particularly on those kangaroo tours a bit of a story at the city versus country games in in the in may or whatever time of the year it was i'm standing at the steps of Sydney quick round number two looking down at and I could see Ray Price there surrounded by 12 of his Parramatta players. They all got picked in either City first or City Seconds, the whole team. And I'm thinking in my head, this is not good. You can't have that. You can't have Queenslanders. You can't have New South Wales. You can't have St. George players. You can't have Manly players. So when we went to England... I sat down with Frank and I said, we've got to do the certain rooms and certain conditions that, you know, we all have to be together. There's no, and I know on kangaroo trips before this trip, there was a little bit of hierarchy problems with with certain groups, you know. Anyway, so what we did, you know, I had to actually room with Rocket Ready for the second time, which honestly, because Frank Stanton said, I can't put him. Him with any of the young blokes he'll he'll wreck their lives so we had he'll <laughs> we had seven guys of 20 years of age yeah you know, like steve ella eric graith Sterler, all well, these heroes are going to become heroes six o'clock every night everyone had to go to the bar irrespective if you drank or you didn't drink like ray price didn't drink uh, Boydie didn't drink wayne pierce didn't drink they'd just come down for coffee or coke or something so we're always together and if you did see somebody if there was two Queensland guys over there together, you had to break them up. So we're all in it together all the time. It was really forceful, and and Frank was really hard, really mm-hmm. really hard. You know, like he uh, he said, "You guys keep on winning." Well, we won't get up at six o'clock in the mornings for our walk. We'll get up at seven o'clock in the mornings for our walk, and mm-hmm. we'll only train one day at uh, once a day. So we just kept on winning, and all these things progressed. So it was.
1: Winning matches, the, yep. the great camaraderie, the sightseeing—obviously getting around to uh, different countries. Now yeah. speaking of different countries, the great Johnny Gibbs, who's uh, we caught up with, he uh, actually said to us, uh, "Switzerland, Switzerland." Ask, yes. uh, ask Maxi about Switzerland. Now, can ne- you reveal anything there, Maxi? Never, never been there. Don't know what you're yeah. talking about. Or did <laughs> okay. you just happen to play tennis in Switzerland, like Roger Federer? Uh-
2: <laughs> No, certain stories have to stay in in bounds, <laughs> um, loose lips sink ships, whatever you Fair want to say. <laughs> uh, no, no. Gibbo is a funny man, I'll give Don't worry about that. Now, mate, uh,
1: speaking of nine eighty two, um, I wanna take you back. You got a card, a joint card signed, uh by 10,000 Manly fans at Brookie Oval, May 16, 1982, I read, Good Luck, Supermax. It was your 299th club game for Manly. You broke Freddie Jones'
2: record. That's right, yeah. And yeah. I did. They what a made... special moment. Yeah, and that was a lot of the great things that happened to me at Manly, and um, they made me a life member of the football club, which usually doesn't happen to um, players while they're playing. You have to wait a few years, and then they throw you a life membership. Um, and I was the first one to get that. So Arco, he did that. Ken knew what my worth was to the club and to all the supporters and to all those people and you know I tried to each each week do my best mm. sometimes it wasn't all that good sometimes it was pretty pretty good um things happened look one of my greatest memories I went to um, to watch the final winter with Matty Johns was in it and John um, yeah yep. the break out of uh, Wolf Creek anyway at the end of the show all these credits started coming up. Because I was in the movie, I acted in the movie. I was an actor, I thought I was going to become Robert De Niro or someone like that. I was at a board movie. But anyway, so at the end, all these credits come up you've seen the great Arthur Beetson come up. He was doing some great passes and you see Bob O'Reilly and I think Bozo was in there. And then Irene says, hey, that's you. I said, what? It is too. You wouldn't believe it's the first time I've actually seen it It was on this show in the final winter. It's in the credits. I run 70 metres of Brookvale Oval. With the greatest runner in the world trying to catch me was Brett Kenny, and I beat him. Nice. 70 meters, he chased me because I got the start, you know, crisscrossed around the field and did all this. Funny thing is, and I scored under the post, and I'm laying there, he's nearly dead, right? And Gibbsy walks over and says to me, I'll have a shot at goal because I was kicking that day because Graham Media was out of And I still remember, and I told Gibbs, and he said, You remember what you said to me that day? I said, Yeah. F off. (laughs) Uh, There'll only be one hero today. (laughs) And I was a hero. (laughs) Now, uh,
1: mate, what about some of the teams you played? Obviously, the great rivalries, the Parramattas and that kind of stuff. But which was the one team or the one club that you're just you always up for? This is a team we have to beat this club. The
2: the great rivalries. Mm, There was a few in those days. Uh, Obviously, Western Suburbs, of course, they wanted to go all out thuggery. I was one of the persons they used to try to attack. St George were really good because a lot of my mates, yeah, you know, particularly Craig Young and Rod Reddy, were at St George, and that was such a powerful club. Parramatta, yeah, you know, fantastic with all those great players they had. Those, you know, all those great players. And South Sydney, you know, particularly with George Piggins and all those guys over years, the you know, three or four, you know. Mm. But Western Sobers, I love playing against West. By the way, a little bit of toughness never hurt anybody. I've got to tell you, you have to be stand up and be counted, you know. And, and yeah. that's why. You have to have blokes like Terry Randall and John Harvey. I was Harvey say, so <laughs> Mate,
1: some of the players you play with, when you look look back on those games now on Fox or, you know, in the DVD series, you look back at, like you said, the violence back then because it literally was, wasn't it? It was unbelievable. Mate, some of those brawls would just go for four or five minutes, wouldn't they? Yeah. yeah and, fun. They, and, <laughs> and you settle one and then another one will start.
2: Yeah, it's fun, yeah. Um <laughs> I'm still here talking. It's 40 <laughs> years later, so. No one ever got it, although <laughs> Mark Broadhurst got a cough a whack in there. Is that against Newtown? Newtown, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the big Steve Bowden gave him yeah. a good headbutting. Well, you know, you're in the wrong spot. Yeah, you get a headbutt, <laughs> don't you? But Mark, to his credit, he just kept on playing. He was a mm. tough bugger, man. He was as tough as they come. But over the years, mainly, we didn't win games until we got John O'Neill and Malcolm Reilly. Mm. We didn't win grand finals. And then Arco went out and bought Malcolm really the greatest plummy ever. You know, there's been some good ones, but he's the can just play, but was yeah. lethal. Oh, geez, he was lethal. The, the
1: Seagulls were certainly the team of the 70s, weren't you? As yeah. I you know, said, five grand final appearances, four premierships, 72, 73, 76, and 78. But yeah Malcolm Reilly, like you said, uh, I heard the old Zorba used to tell me some stories about Malcolm Reilly. and oh
2: he was fantastic. He wasn't just a, a ruthless player. he was skillful. you yeah. know he could do all the skill and put the ruthless in the between it. <laughs> uh, which you know and the good thing about that, you know even here, probably our greatest ever player Bob Fulton, you mm. know and he was a fantastic bows. He had a serious little bit of toughness about him too. Don't you worry about that. You don't become an immortal by being a soft cock. You know, like yeah. you, got, you got to go in hard. And Bose was up there with them all because mm. he also had the mouth as well. You know, he was good on the tongue. So he, um, he was <laughs> always bagging it? somebody out there. Well,
1: I'm going to uh, ask you two more questions, Maxie. Sure. One, your lovely wife, Irene. Yeah. Uh, how did you meet Irene? And you're a romantic. <laughs> Maxie, tell us, tell us well, the story. And Come
2: this, on. there's a good story because a mate of mine is Brian Hollis, the sheriff. Yep. Irene was selling those um, platinum privileges, or whatever you would say. I go to these hotels, and sheriff said, to me, ring this bloke up." So I gave Irene, all these Brad Fittler and all these blokes, and Andrew Johns, all these young blokes who had plenty of money. This is about 25, 21 years ago, and they and they all kept buying. <laughs> buying these cards, right? And anyway, one day I ring her up and said, what about you and me going out? And she says, no, I'm not going out with you. You're, you're just my... Mate. Anyway, so I talked to her So we're still together.
1: <laughs> how many years now together? 25, I think. 25 years, yeah, yeah. Good she a good She's good woman. She must a be a good woman. woman. <laughs> she's a great woman and uh, so I love lady. Now, your golf game. How's your golf going these days? Getting older. Going older, yeah? Older, You yeah. still love your golf every Wednesday? Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. Uh, Wednesday and Saturdays, yeah, I play my golf. I still hit some shots that I think are really what I used to do and I hit some shots that I could never 10 years or 20 years ago I used to be a very good golfer I mm. was a very good golfer playing off two and one and all those sort of games yeah, you, you make the ball go around trees make them do everything <laughs> when you get older you know when they say age it's like football as you get over 33 you say I've hit the brick wall man <laughs> well I've hit the brick wall in golf
1: well Maxie unfortunately we've run out of time but mate look it's been an absolute pleasure to have you in here with us uh, every time we see you in the Manly Seagulls office mate you always go smile on your face you're always happy to help out you share some wonderful stories for someone like me i, I just love the history of rugby league and obviously the seagulls and uh, mate congratulations on your career unfortunately i wish i could have seen you more on the acting stage uh, yeah, i think you would was have been a, a very superb, poor actor very i reckon poor. you would have been good in the goodfellas or something you yeah. can see maxi in the goodfellas you know hero yeah. yeah. using that knife
2: you know? yeah like yeah <laughs> <laughs> Jimmy Peskin. Yeah, Joe Peskin, uh, Robert De
1: Niro, Al Pacino, the Godfather, and then Max So, Max, congratulations on your run of a career. Keep up the great work. Always a pleasure to see you, and thanks for joining us today.
2: Thanks, Lanes. Thanks, Foxy.
0: This has been the Golden Eagles podcast, presented by Wormald and recorded in the studios of Manly Media partner, ASCII Live Media. You can follow the Sea Eagles on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. For more episodes and other official Sea Eagles podcast channel shows, head to seagulls.com.au forward slash podcast. This has been an ASCII Live Media production for the Manly Warringah Sea Eagles official podcast channel.